0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. I am here with our fantastic producer, Nathan Yoder, and this wonderful individual, Alyssa Catanzaro.
1: Hello, thank you.
0: I, You know, this is this is gonna be great. We're gonna have fun. We, uh, we exist to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. Today, we are excited to have uh, some of our global partners here. Um, we have Katie and Corey Garrett. They are responding to the question, why would I trust God if it doesn't make sense? So if you thought only missionaries asked that question or only you, we all asked that question. Alyssa, you have any thoughts about this question before we jump on in?
1: Um, yeah, even the way you were saying that, I feel like people that serve full-time in ministry, like it, it's got to be hard to question when God is maybe not feeling as present or whatever because you've already like taken this plunge to do something that requires a lot of trust. So I feel like that could be scary, but I guess we'll see, I don't
0: know. Well, uh, Corey and Katie, usually we end the podcast by asking you to clean up the mess we left, but we'll just ask you to start in the beginning. So uh, we know you really well, our listeners, this might be the first time they're introduced to you. so. Why don't you share a little bit about your faith journey and just about all the way up to today where you are right now? All right, sure. Yeah. Um,
2: so I'm Katie. We went to Wheaton College. So I guess I should say became a believer as a youngster, grew up in a Christian family. Um, when I was about 13, my brother started really going in an opposite direction. He was older and I kind of realized, oh, okay, just cause my parents are Christians doesn't mean I'm automatically a Christian and I need to make a decision about this. And so, um, I went to a Billy Graham crusade actually and went forward when I was 13, um, that was really a turning point and started reading the Bible on my own at that time. And yeah. And then in high school started studying uh, foreign languages, found out I was good at French and really liked it. And. So um, we had an exchange student come from Ghana that lived with us and um, in 10th grade and I started learning about West Africa. So by the time I graduated from high school, basically I knew I wanted to um, live overseas. Um, So then went to Wheaton College and um, that's where I met Corey. And when we met last semester senior year, he was just getting back from Tanzania and I was about to go to Senegal. And we both felt this call to Africa as missionaries to serve the Lord. Uh, so it was kind of like, Hey, I like you let's, let's do this together. It's obvious that God was bringing us together. So we've been in Senegal mm-hmm. since, uh, you know, uh, 2000 with time in the States for home assignment and stuff We're with SIM, uh, working with the Wolof people. What else?
3: So I was, uh, like Katie born, and raised in a Christian home and went to church and all that good stuff. Uh, Until I was about 13. Um, It sounds like I'm gonna say about when I was 13, I turned away from the Lord. That's not what happened. When I was 13, I heard a missionary speaking in our church. And uh, basically, to make a long story short, I felt like God really called me to missions during that presentation. Uh, And so that became kind of the guiding uh, uh, purpose of my life from that point, and led me to Wheaton. And where I met met up with Katie there and everything. So most of our time in Senegal has been in a rural context doing development projects and Bible teaching in villages. In the past few years, I've gotten involved in um, other things, more technical things, apps, websites, social media ministry, um, as well as Arabic script conversion of the existing Roman script, Wolof, Bible, and Putting that into different formats, uh, print and online. So, uh, also Kate's uh, administered a scholarship project, and uh, uh, that's been a, a source of. It's been one of the most fruitful things that we actually have done in Senegal is the scholarship project of, for children of Christians. Um, yeah, we've so got that, five kids.
2: Yeah. the twenty years old. We have three biological daughters who are twenty, nineteen, and seventeen, and then we adopted two boys in 2018, who are both
1: eight now. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Well, you talked a little bit about your scholarship project being something that has been um, fruitful or fulfilling for you. So I was just wondering, like you were talking about Senegal, you've been there for 20 years. Um, What else has been, or it could be the scholarship project, but what has been life-giving in your ministry and how, what has been challenging? I'm sure you've gone through a bunch of challenges too, but we'll start with life-giving.
2: Life-giving, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think whenever you catch glimpses of God doing work Mm -hmm. through you, letting you be privileged to see him at work, that's exciting, you know? So we've seen a few people baptized and just, I mean, just this weekend, I was talking to someone in Senegal and You know, they said that they have had some dreams and it was like, you just get that like thrill, like God is working, you know, that's exciting. Yeah.
3: It doesn't happen very often in Senegal. Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens a ton. More often you have somebody that you've shared with. I mean, countless people we've shared with in villages, chronological Bible storing or, or just Bible study, and they come to a real understanding of Jesus and decide to walk away. But there's been those, like this person who is actually this is happening this week, um, who, despite the odds, and despite the cost, have a complete life transformation, and do things that they have been shying away from for a long time. Example of the apostles, you know, the apostles, Jesus dies, and they are so scared, And then he appears to them and all of a sudden they're changed and their actions and their attitude towards death and life is all changed. Right. And so we've seen that in some people, a few people, and that's the most exciting thing uh, that we've seen Um, uh, on a, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty easy missionary answer, I guess. Uh, On the other hand, we have some projects. I have some projects that I've done that really use my, um, abilities and also like get my imagination fired up like making bible apps um we have a new 99 names of god app that we just released this week i've been working on it off and on for a couple of years the hardest part was get actually doing the getting the content ready but doing that is so exciting. I just stay up till you know all hours of the night working on that like stuff. Like it's
2: 11 p.m. on Saturday, you could stop working on the app. <laughs> but
3: that's the funnest thing I could possibly do. Uh, even funner than streaming Netflix it is, you know, making this these things work just right. So uh, those kind of projects. I won't go into a lot of detail on that. But some of the projects that I've done that really connect the culture to scripture and and get scripture in people's hands in ways that make sense for the culture, that's really exciting.
0: So I, I'm just gonna kind of jump in, because again, I I think this question just resonates with so many individuals, whether whether they're unchurched or de-churched, whether they follow Jesus. Um, you know, I think it, if we were to kind of create a meme for missionaries, like, well, my parents think I do what I actually do, like all of those types of things, Uh, You know, I think some people might be listening to you like thinking, you know, even if they're not Christians, they'd be like, oh, they're going to Senegal and they're, you know, they're drilling wells to get water or, you know, they're holding church services with thousands of people coming to know Jesus. And, and, you know, just even on a surface level, you're kind of saying... No, it's one at a time and I'm trying to get internet in the middle of Africa to make an app and I'm back in the United States trying to do that. And, you know, I guess I just want to kind of focus on some of the reality and challenges because you've really wrestled with this question, you know, and even just help our listeners understand why you had to leave Senegal and come back to the United States of what's really challenging you with this question of trusting God when it doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the toughest things our whole 20 years in Senegal has just been uh, kind of feeling like we've poured ourselves out and it's like pouring out liquid onto very dry ground and it's just like sucked up and the ground is still dry. That's kind of how it feels, you know, Um, at a certain point we started, you know, spending half of each week in the village. Uh, in huts. And it was like, we're just giving our all Lord, you know, and we're so close to these families that we're living with. We love them. They love us. You know, they named their baby after me. Like what more can we do? And yet no response to the gospel, you know? And it's just been like, that's been the biggest thing. I think Mm -hmm. just, just the discouragement of is, is our lives pointless? Is this Mm -hmm. all for nothing, you know?
3: And as a few moments in our, our I would say I would say our career but it's really our lives that God said go this extra mile and we said okay Lord that is like a bit farther than we were thinking about going here but if you say this you must have a reason it must be the thing that we're thinking you must be you're about to do fill in the blank fill in a you know start a people group movement or whatever so we you know with great difficulty sent our kids to boarding school we didn't Think we were gonna do that send the kids to boarding school moved out to the village uh, we um, back many years ago we were in chess and doing great and God said move to Kathine and we were like okay Lord let's move it's to not Catherine. Really
2: what we want but we'll obey you know you kind of obey and you have this like in your mind you think okay if I obey then God's gonna do this
3: and and then that that is where and that comes back to what we're actually talking about is trusting God is in those moments, You know, you go and you do that. Um, and you, you think, well, if we do this very hard thing, then God's going to respond by doing the thing that we think must be on his mind. (laughs) This must be the reason that he's asking us to do this. And then when he doesn't do that, that's when it's very hard to trust. Now, in retrospect, it's very easy to see that a lot of times we, I'm saying it in such a way to make it, make it obvious, but we kind of write checks on God's account. And then when they bounce, we get upset. But it's us that said, if we do this, Mm -hmm. then God's going to do that. But God didn't say he was going to do that. He just said do this. And so that is, in a nutshell, the whole problem with trust is assuming that we know what God is up to. And so we, we obey. So there's a big tie between
2: obedience. Mm -hmm.
3: There's a big connection between obedience and trust. We obey because we trust him to do X. And then when he doesn't do X, we feel betrayed where what he just said was do X. He didn't say, and I'll do this. So again, back to the scholarship project, you know, we were in 2019, 2020 at the end of a series of blows. Um, People not coming to the Lord for many years, but going to the village, having our kids at boarding school, we had some teammates that came and we were really depending on and then uh, they left. And so a lot of stuff that was really kind of beating us down. And so that was certainly my lowest moment. And I remember many times, you know, uh, kind of yelling at the Lord almost, uh, but talking to Katie, and she would, It kind of talked me down off of the, off the edge of the building. Um, but then in 20 and 21, so this is in the middle of like pandemic is happening and everything or right before. And then during the pandemic, the lockdown and everything, we started seeing some of the things that God was doing that we had not understood before. And specifically through through the scholarship program. Um, and we have talked about this before, but just for the benefit of your listeners, I know I'm repeating myself to, to the people, Peter and Alyssa, but, uh, for the, for the listeners who haven't heard these, this story, um, we had a couple of guys who had been in the scholarship project for many years and went through a uh, professional education and got a nursing degree and a, a vet tech degree. And as we were without the teammates. God gave me a, a, a moment of clarity where He said, well, you have these Senegalese guys, these believers who, two two guys who, just like I talked about, who had been totally afraid of even being associated with Christians, and then in a moment transformed into people who didn't care, who knew that they were going to church, reading the Bible, they were evangelizing their their friends and their neighbors, their classmates, where." You know a few years before they were uh, one one of these guys he had we he and all his siblings had attended a christian camp that we had put on then the next day after they got back from the camp he took all of his brothers and sisters t-shirts that had the word the name jesus on it and burned them so nobody would know that they had gone to this christian camp so this guy is now turning around and evangelizing his classmates and everything so those this is the kind of transformation that we're talking about so these these two guys had been through the scholarship pro- project gotten these professional degrees and we're back in Caffrine. And I, I said, we should be, instead of working with these teammates now that they've gone, working with these guys. And so we had a couple of years right at the end of our time in Caffrine that I was working with these Senegalese believers who I had seen come to faith right before my eyes in miraculous fashion. And going out and ministering with them in villages where you know, a year or two before they would never have thought of doing that. And like teaching them how to, cause they're Wolof, they know the language, they know the culture, but they didn't have the a way to connect the Bible with people around them. And so just walking them through, how can they use their vocation, their, their jobs to share the gospel. So that was a total revelation. For me, Katie's faith. We have different, very different experiences of this these past twenty years. Mm-hmm. But for me, that was a a revelation of God's been doing something way different all these years. You've been kind of waiting for this fruit to be ready, and now we were seeing something that we'd never expected. We'd never dreamed to that we would be doing working with these Sinhalese believers side by side you know, like we did. So that was a a moment that changed our view of all the pain that had gone before. Because when we saw that God had done something that we had not expected, it was not our plan. We weren't even aware of it until almost after it happened, that we started being able to trust God with some of the painful things that had happened in the past, and also start to Trust God with some of the things that we were looking forward to in the future. And even just in general, looking forward into the future and trusting that God was able to do more than we we were aware of, and that we weren't seeing all the ends that He had in mind. Anyway, that's that's our kind of journey, my journey with this in a kind of in a in a nutshell there. Although Katie has a bit of a different
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, so I feel like we've – talking about obedience and I loved what you said about how, like, we – God tells you to do something. We're like, yeah, okay, and now you're going to do this. And he's like, nope, never said that. I just said to go or to do whatever. Um, I love that because that is true. We get so mad <laughs> or so hurt or so – it's so easy to be mad at God to be, like – I trusted you and you didn't do what I wanted you to do as my very good human brain wants. But um I guess I'm gonna skip a question, but I'm jumping. We've been talking about trust, but what what is it? Well, how would you define it and what does it mean really to trust God? So we've talked about obedience a little bit, but and how that builds trust. But what even what is trust? What does that mean to you?
2: Katie, do you want to first? No. You go first.
3: <laughs> um, so I think that with the with the trust question um, is about not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in in God. It's a little bit too easy to trust in ourselves. I read a book recently and they put it in terms of listening and seeing. If you are walking by faith if you're trusting you're listening in other words your eyes are closed and the the image of this book was kind of painting your eyes are closed and you're listening to somebody outside above beyond you whereas if you f- insist on living by seeing you're stopping up your ears and just looking at what you can see from your one point of view from your one point in the universe but if you turn to a listening posture basically uh, this author was getting at you, you, you just get this, um, sense of many points, let's say in the universe and many, um, situations and, and contexts. I'm not being, I'm not making it super clear, but, uh, it's listening it's walking by faith, not by sight is the scriptural way to say it. Um, but I, there was one, uh, Bible verse that was super, um, important. I won't say encouraging, because it was very unencouraging for much of this uh, journey. But in Isaiah 50, uh, 50 verse 10, it reads this, who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. That's the NLT. And I was reading this in kind of in the worst moments of, you know, not trusting God, let's say, as a, as a challenge, you're walking in darkness, trust in the Lord. And going back to this whole thing of listening versus seeing, it's dark, you can't see, it's not that you have a, you have a choice, you have to, you, you have to either stand still or move forward in the, the, the the Lord being your light in that situation is um, the only way you can move forward. But sometimes you just don't even have that light, and that's kind of the moment that I was in. Is okay, Lord, I'm ready to trust you, but I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know how you're. Anyway, that that was a an important passage for me at that at that juncture.
2: Um... And I think trust is reflected by you know, it's your perspective and it's your heart posture. So when we're not trusting is we're anxious, right? We're freaking out. But if I'm trusting my eyes are fixed on the Lord, then I have peace. You know, that's the verse that I've sort of clung to through the difficult years of um, our adoption process. It was Isaiah 26, yeah. three, where it's the Lord keeps in perfect peace, him whose eyes are fixed on the Lord, you know, um, and just, and I think that's the key is like, and it, it calls to mind you know peter walking on the waves it's like when you take your eyes off the lord you start to look at the problems you start to doubt it all goes down from there but mm-hmm. if you keep your eyes on him um and i think that's because when you keep your eyes on him you're you're remembering who he is that he's powerful that he's you know you're remembering his promises that he has made not the ones you've made up on his behalf and that's how you can trust and that means you're going to have peace
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, Um, you know, about your adoption with your sons. Um, You know, you, in our kind of conversations, this has been really hard. This season's been really hard on your kids. You know, it was a tough adoption. Um, Your daughter's been very open about depression. Um, Just tell us a little bit about that and how you're processing that, you know, knowing that you've got five kids and yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can always question yourself and, you know, I think at this point, so yeah, our daughter who's 20 struggles with um, persistent depressive disorder. Um, And, you know, she, it was a good thing when she finally started talking to us about it, about what she was feeling. Um, It was also really hard. Um, And it's not something that there's any quick fix for it. So I think that's challenging because both Corey and I are pretty much like, all right, well, what do we do? Let's, how do we fix this? You know? And that's really not how this kind of depression works. So, um, I think, yeah, that's, um, it's something we don't understand. Uh, it's pushed us to, again, just, you're fixing your eyes on God. You're saying, I don't understand this. I don't think, I don't think we're asking like the, why, why are you doing this Lord questions? And I think, I don't know, we have maybe, strategies so that we're not at that place um i think one thing is i there's things we can be grateful for even in the situations and you know what honestly like it's a little bit crazy that we're talking about this as if we've had you know such a tragic life because honestly the things that we've faced haven't been you know as bad as what other people have faced you know um so we're thankful that she's talking to us. We're thankful now, you know, we came back from Senegal so that we could help her get what she needed. So she's on meds, she's on counsel, she's getting counseling, she's, you know, our relationship is good now. So that these are things to be thankful for. Um and she got baptized at age 19, which was a big answer to prayer. So I think you know, I remind myself there's other greater heartbreaks that people close to us have mm-hmm. gone through. And so I, I try not to like sit around and feel sorry for myself or say like, why are you doing this? As if like, we have the hardest, you know, mm-hmm. like this is a broken world. And all of us, like the promise in the scripture is that we're going to face hardships, you know? So um, I think it's more a matter of like reminding myself, okay, this is our hardship living through it. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and try to learn from it what he wants us to learn from it and face it in a way that um, our relationship with the Lord stays good. And you know we respond in a way that he wants us to, um, I don't know.
3: And for me, uh, echoing all that, but for me, it was basically right on the heels of that earlier um, uh, kind of revelation of what God is doing and, and the high of like ministering to these guys and seeing what the Lord had done unbeknownst to us, how he had worked through us, but without our knowledge. And so right on the heels of that, you know, Emma starts at college and then comes home unexpectedly in October of last year. And so when that happened, um, the past, the previous season had prepared us for that season. So when that happened, the first thing that ran through my mind was, I wonder what God, what what God is going to do through this. I wonder how God is going to use this without saying, I bet it's like this, I bet this is what's gonna happen. But um, that that past season of great disappointment, followed by seeing what God was up to, a part of what God was up to, not everything, but a part of what God was up to, enabled us to, when Emma came home, really face that with some some a greater degree of trust than I have ever, experienced in a trial, let's say, or in an unexpected negative situation. So that it's the, it's part of the walk of, you know, of faith. And I definitely felt at that moment that God was doing something in us to enable us to, to trust us, trust him more, you know? So at this point, we can share that she's doing much better and we're actually going to. We're actually on um, on schedule to head back to Senegal next summer, and she's going to continue on here in the states. And so we're praising the Lord for that. But you know, even if so, I mean mm-hmm. something else is going to go bad,
2: as I was going to uh, say, un- like
3: not according to plan, you know, in our lives.
2: Holding it all loosely, I think at this yeah. point, it's like you hold it loosely, you know. It's like you're like, oh no, you know, the boys are like, whatever, whatever situation, and then it's like. It goes better again and then but just yeah. to know like there's gonna be there's gonna yeah. be things maybe we're gonna have to come home again you know right. because one of our kids needs us to that's okay you know god will walk with us through whatever the next storm is
1: yeah yeah that's great it's it's hard to think about like i think this is where i had said it in the beginning but like you've it's okay I'm sorry it's hard to even commit like the way that you commit to long-term missions and then to be in a place like Senegal, which is difficult. And then to have these family issues that just need to be addressed immediately. Like you will have to leave a ministry that you've poured a lot of your energy in to take care of these, um, your people, your kids, like that's so important. Um, So I think the question is, so as you think about going back to Senegal, like, does that, you said you're holding things loosely, but like, does it scare you? Are you excited? Like, how do you feel about even making that transition back? Cause you've been home for a little bit. Has this been the longest time you've been on home assignment in your, okay. Like, how does that feel? Yeah,
2: definitely. This is the first time we've done two years and, you know, I, it's interesting because it was kind of like, Oh no, we're not going to be able to go back. But now I definitely see, you know, what God was doing in each member of our family through this time. Like each of the five kids needed this time Mm -hmm. in the States, you know, he was doing stuff that needed to be done, you know? So it's like, this was his plan. He was doing Mm -hmm. good. We can already see some of that. Um, So I don't regret this extended time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like we're going back because it's, it feels like, We can. Um, but again, like if we have to leave, it's okay, because God will lead us step by step and Mm -hmm. whatever happens, you know, he, he has a bigger plan and it's okay.
3: (laughs) I think at the moment that when you ask that, how do you feel about going back? My first thing that pops into my heart is we're going to be leaving all three of the girls in the States and going back with just the boys. So The three of them over in America and the four of us in Senegal, that is hard um, to think about, but.
2: All three girls say they're ready, you know, and yeah. And again, yeah, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see. I mean.
3: We're, we're happy that they're, they're doing, they're doing well in their different ways and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how they, they develop. And, and grow on their own. And it's hard to think about not being closer by or not seeing them quite as much. But anyway, um, just trust, kinda trying to trust the Lord with that as well.
0: You know, I, I wanna push back a little bit because I, I think some of our listeners might struggle with this, you know, Corey and uh, Katie, you've devoted your whole life to, to Jesus like many of our listeners. It just so happens you go to Africa and do that. And so, I think some of our listeners might think of this why would i trust god if it doesn't make sense and it's like well corey and carrot uh corey corey and katie um they just assume that they're gonna trust god and you know they kind of filter everything through seeing jesus you know what about if you don't filter it that way like what if you literally are questioning or have you been in that season where you're literally questioning god and you're kind of wondering why would I trust God when it doesn't make sense? Because kind of what I'm hearing, you're in a season where you've seen enough of God working that you trust him. You're not fully there, but some people are like, well, they were just going to trust God anyways. I mean, how do you process through that or how would you sit with someone that doesn't start from that assumption?
3: Well, I can tell you, man, Uh, 19 and 20 there, man, I was, you know, in counseling and I was barely like, I was just going through the motions because I was so depressed, not chemically depressed, but like situationally depressed. And I mean, it wasn't in many cases, it wasn't scripture that kept me going. I was just thinking. Just keep swimming, just keep (laughs) swimming. So when you're relying on animated movies for your, you know, emotional well-being, whatever, it's not good. So, uh, you know, that's, those are the days I would get up and have devotions and saying, why am I even doing this? He doesn't care about us. I mean, that's pretty serious. I mean, I was in a low, low spot, lower than I've ever been, you know, and, but just kept, you know, going back to the Lord and, um, going back to scripture, even, even when that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, continued to engage with, with him, you know, and, um, but it was not a no brainer. It wasn't, it wasn't uh oh yeah, this is, you, you can, you can testify. There was some dark days in there, man. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: And, um, so it, it's not a no brainer for anybody you know missionary yeah. whether your job is missionary yeah. or not everybody has the same faith you know i mean in other words regardless of what your actual your 9 to 5 or your day to day job is everybody has to inter- interact with the lord and give him their hopes and dreams and sometimes your hopes and dreams are not fulfilled mm-hmm. and deal with them on that what are you doing lord and mm-hmm. so you know whether you're missionary or not has nothing to do with it everybody has that struggle mm-hmm. Um,
2: I think for me, like, whenever my mind goes to, you know, just doubting, like, is this even, mm -hmm. you know, is God even real? Then it's like, if I actually sit down and think about that question, like, then I just have this like Mm -hmm. logical procession of, of course, God is real. Who made these trees? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you're just like, okay, there has to be a God because we are all here. And which of the major religions makes sense? I've lived in Islam. It doesn't hold up. You know, you go through all and it's like. Christianity is the only religion that holds up. So it's like, you know, having studied these things and thought about these things as a youngster, it's kind of like, you remind yourself, like, this has to be true. And if it's true, then the Bible is true. And if the Bible is true, then, you know, and then there's these scriptures that I can go to, um, you know, right now we see in a, in a glass dimly, you know, we don't understand. And, um, I remember saying to Corey one time when he was like so frustrated at God, I remember asking like, which of the Bible characters would you want to switch lives with, you know, and just thinking through like, would you want to be Noah? Mm. Would you want to be Moses? Would you want to be Paul, like shipwrecked and flogged and imprisoned? And, you know, it's like, I think sometimes getting the perspective of just reminding ourselves bigger picture, looking at other people's lives, biblical characters, as well as, you know, people we know or people we've read about. And it's kind of like, you just talk yourself through, find the things that you know mm-hmm. are true. And then if you anchor with that, then you can build from there and say like, okay, that's how I got here. I still believe it. This mm-hmm. all still makes sense. I have seen God answer prayers. I know, you know, you just have to talk yourself through. Why Why do you believe what you believe and, yeah. until you remember it?
3: Uh, Peter said at one point, this is a little bit taking it out of context, but go with me. Uh, Peter said at one point, Lord, to whom shall we go? Mm-hmm. The, the competition, if you don't believe in Jesus is not fierce. If you don't believe in Jesus, there's none of the other worldviews that are like super compelling. I mean, I think we've seen in America, the secular humanist worldview um, is not, has not led to greater peace and joy. It's not it's not doing it. Uh, we live as Katie said in, in, uh, in, a, one in a country where Islam is quite popular. We're not seeing peace and joy, but when you come back to churches, churches are not perfect, but when you come back to Christians and Christians are not perfect, you do see another kind of life than you see anywhere. Um, so, uh, I would say in some ways, I mean, well, going back to this time I'm talking about where I was so depressed. I never stopped actually doing Bible studies with people because I knew, although my disappointment with God was intense, I knew he was, I could, I knew he was still there, you know, and uh, wrestling with God is, 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 I mean, that's what Israel means is wrestling with God and we're the new Israel of God. So we have to keep wrestling with Him. Um, I mean, I think in some ways, if we're not wrestling with him, then. We have, we can have a superficial relationship. I haven't said this before, so I'm thinking it out as I say it, so I'm probably going to say something that's not exactly right, but if we're not wrestling with them at some level about something, or if we never, let's say wrestle, we can wrestle Mm -hmm. through a thing and kind of get through it. But if we're never wrestling with them, we're not engaging with them. I think on a deeper level, because he is so other that he's, if he does not challenging us Mm -hmm. in anything, in any area of our lives, then. Do we really know him? So I say doubt in some ways is a sign of faith, not a sign of, if you have somebody who's no, never doubts, he doesn't really have a faith because it's not, it's not tried. Um, you know, I go back to the old example of a, of a, of a firefighter. Let's say if you have a, a firefighter who's untried, they're a candidate. They haven't actually been through a fire. You know, they haven't experienced trials. They think firefighting is awesome. It's really cool. You get some nice outfits and everything, but a firefighter who has been through fires and knows what it's like to pull injured people from the wreckage of a house. They have a different attitude about firefighting, but they are prepared and they're able and they can help others and they can help themselves. You know? So I think in the same sense, if you have somebody who says, well, I never, doubt, I never really doubt. Well, That could be somebody who's who has a strong faith, but probably you're just getting started, you know. And but if you have doubts, that means you're going through some of the things that you need to go through to have stronger faith. And this story is all about that. I mean, I have much stronger faith now than I had two or three years ago. You know, from going through those crazy things where you know I'm in my twenties, I'm a Wheaton College, you know, I'm taking a lot of theology classes. I could have written a great paper for you, but I didn't know how to live that out. And it wasn't in my heart, you see. So I think there's a great, uh, great benefit to going through times where you do doubt because that's where your faith can actually grow. That's, that's the fire that you're actually, your faith can actually grow in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even as you're talking like trials and things or these they're troubling, they're hard to go through these periods of time that are really difficult to go through. Um, I think that's how humans connect to each other though. Like sometimes, I mean, if your relationship with God is so great and so like, yeah, if you never doubt him, if you, if he's just so wonderful and you can, and even if it's like, even if it's great, like you actually are experiencing God do awesome things all the time, like that's hard for your average human to really relate to because you're also like, well, what about all the times that it's like sucked for me? Or what if, you know, that can be, yeah, I don't know. I just think there is something that through trials and troubles and things, like that really does bring humans together because they can relate to those issues. Like many people will go, everybody will go through something difficult. So to be able to point to God in that time of like the low time or the difficult time, um, would be even, I mean, that's probably confusing to your average person to be like, wait, you went through this really difficult thing. Like, why do you still love, why do you still care about God? Um, but yeah, but it's something that like people can relate to and maybe that will help them question like why don't I care about God or does God actually care about me um yeah so there are a lot of people wondering why would they share their faith if their faith or if their life is in a season of doubt so if they are in that time of like in a negative space uh why would they share their faith so how how would you respond to that
3: well Usually if somebody has a doubt, and I I kind of shared my own uh, experience with it. If you have somebody who's having doubts about one area of faith, there's usually some other areas of faith that they are not doubting. And maybe they're saying, well, I don't know if God's really doing this in in my life or for me, or I expected God to do this, but I do really feel that, you know. These are the truth and there's no, or there could be some other area of faith that they're, they're questioning, but a faith, an area of faith that they are more secure in. And so I think, um, on the one hand, you know, dealing from your strengths and saying, well, the, this is something that I really am able to say with great conviction and, and back it up. This is true. You know, he's the creator God. He loves us. It's a, even if you're doubting God's goodness, maybe as I was my, his goodness to me right now, or something like that. Um, and so sharing what you are feeling convicted about or, 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 um, or feeling strongly that you are having, <laughs> let's, let's start over that sentence now. <laughs> um, sharing where you are, where your faith is strong and not where your faith is, is, is maybe doubting, but on the other hand, you know, I think people are turned off by a faith that has all the answers. Um, if you look at the Pharisees, they had all the answers to such a degree that their faith was calcified and they trusted in themselves and, and, and their righteousness, right? And Jesus had very harsh words for them. I mean, uh, you don't hear it preached on some, uh, you know, very often, but Luke 11, 37, and to the end of the chapter there, he is wailing on them he is is all the woes to the pharisees and the scribes whereas people who are doubting he says mm-hmm. he he strengthens their faith you know mm-hmm. he doesn't blow out a smoldering wick as it says i think in isaiah um so anyway i think
2: and i think ahead. what you said is a big mm-hmm. part of it Alyssa. you know that i think it's good to just be honest and mm-hmm. you know you can share that you're you're doubting because other people doubt too and it's relatable and then we can encourage each other you know so i think it's good don't to not pretend like we have it all together and Mm. you know because even that is an encouragement
0: (laughs) wow um our time's really gone fast and you know we close every episode uh with a question you know what does jesus have to say about this topic so you know the good news is um, Alyssa and I are going to answer this question and then you folks get to clean up the mess that we leave. Does that sound good? So, um, so why would I trust God if it doesn't make sense? Who wants to go first? first. Oh, look at that. I like that decisiveness. Um, you know, I, you know, Corey and Katie talked about, you know, there's people that have worse situations and, um, you know, I, I think, I think there's power in that, but I also think Jesus doesn't want us to dismiss the hardship of what we're going through. Um, you know, and I, I think of every person that Jesus approached, um, in scripture. And, you know, I think about the women with the blood issue that, you know, here's Jesus on the way to heal someone else. And he ends up, um, healing this woman. And, um, you know i just think why would i trust god if it doesn't make sense i i think that we live in this odd tension of overblowing our situation that god's not there for us or underblowing it well we're just going to make it through and I, I wonder if learning to trust god is learning from even what i've heard from the garretts to see our situations the way god does um <laughs> Got me all choked up um but i i think that as as i think about that um it's being able to see that maybe i brought some expectations maybe i looked at jesus in in ways that weren't helpful and so to be able to see our life for as it really is and from jesus's perspective and i wonder when we ask this question why would i trust god when it doesn't make sense it's about the past and it's about the future, but it's about God's working in ways that we don't always understand and see. So Alyssa, what are you at?
1: Yeah, um, I guess I was thinking like about, I mean, this the question is like, what does Jesus have to say? And so I was just thinking about like God's faithfulness, even in just with Jesus's whole ministry and life. And Even his entire ministry, like I was in a psychology class in college and we were doing like the personality tests and we put a bunch of Bible characters on different personality tests to see if they would like, if they would pass the test or not or if they were like clinically crazy or whatever. But um, yeah, Jesus was, I don't know. I was like, he probably would have been really weird to a lot of people. So even his ministry, I mean, clearly we see that. People didn't. Some people responded well and some people did not respond well to um, just him and what he was trying to do and what he was claiming. And so, like, but God was so faithful in his life and performed all these miracles and reached all these people just in a three year span of his actual ministry. Um, And it didn't make sense. (laughs) And it didn't make sense to people, but people still, like, connected to it somehow or they still like believed that there had to be this has to be the guy because how else could he be doing this and I don't know I just I've really been thinking about like the faithfulness of God even in your own um times of doubt or your own like fear of the future is like well God's been faithful he's provided he's done all these things he's worked through Jesus he's worked through Um, all these Bible characters and he's working through you so why would he like stop doing that right now for no reason like why I don't know it's just like it doesn't make it doesn't match his character as someone that's proven to be so faithful that like even though it doesn't make sense it's like it's just who he is
0: (laughs) drop the mic (laughs) throw throw to you guys there we go
2: Yeah, I think two things I want to say. One is just how gracious that God is to us when we doubt. You see with the story of Thomas, you know, so I think bringing our doubts to the Lord and saying, I'm really having struggle with this. You see that Jesus, then he comes to Thomas and he says, I will help you to be able to believe, you know, he doesn't say, ah, you didn't believe in me. So, you know, he does have compassion. And the same thing with Peter, when he's not, he's doubting, Jesus lifts him up, you know, God is gracious to us. And the other thing that's, really been bringing me a lot of sort of comfort is thinking about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, praying his prayer of anguish, begging God, the father with whom he had such a close relationship to take this cup away from him. And, you know, I think sometimes it's like, Oh, well, if I'm walking with the Lord and I'm praying earnestly, of course, God is going to answer my prayer. Well, Jesus is walking with the Lord perfectly. Mm -hmm. He's serving God wholeheartedly and he's begging God not to make him go through this hard thing. And God says, no, like I'm, I'm going to make you go through it. Cause I think a lot of times we doubt because we don't want to go through a hard thing or we're having something hard happen. And so to see that Jesus also, God did not answer his prayer the way that you wanted, that kind of, well, gives me some comfort to say like, because of course you can see the end of the story. Why did God make Jesus go through that hard thing? He had a beautiful, glorious, redemptive purpose, you know? So that, I just try to remember that when I'm, like, frustrated that God's not answering my prayers or doing things the way I want.
3: Um, so you did warn us that this, is, this question was coming, so I did think about this a bit <laughs> beforehand. Um, in the, in the, the thing that I really settled on was this, this story we've referenced a couple times of Peter walking on the water. When, when Peter walked on the water and then started to sink, Jesus grabbed him. And pulled them up so I think the first thing we do that Jesus does when we doubt is he carries us and the second thing is right when they get boat in the boat Jesus says to Peter why did you doubt and I, I think if what he's saying is if you would if you would see clearly if you could see clearly you would never doubt the the question at hand is why trust God when it doesn't make sense I think Jesus is saying if you really see God, it always makes sense to trust him. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense not to trust God. But he still carries Peter until he can have the faith that he has later on. He still carries He still carries Peter, he lifts him up and, and he carries him until he has the faith. But at the same time, he calls him to have greater faith and, and calls him to reorient himself towards seeing reality for what it is and God for who he is.
2: And fixing his eyes on Jesus in the boat, not on the waves.
0: (laughs) Mm. What a way to close. Um, Katie and Corey, where's the best place people can follow you?
3: Our website is coreyandkatie.org, and you can sign up there for newsletters. Uh, We're on Facebook as well for the older generation like us. We're of the older generation. Use Facebook still. Um, So that's the best place.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Uh, You can find us at ygodypodcast.com. Click uh, the subscribe link. You'll get this episode and many others. Thank you so much for joining us.